You're listening to a podcast series celebrating the 25th anniversary of GINA, the global initiative for asthma. We're in London to interview world-renowned asthma specialists, healthcare professionals and patients, focusing on the issues, objectives and achievements of GINA and to look ahead to the future developments that the next 25 years will bring. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the natural history, basic pathology and clinical presentation of children with suspected asthma and focus on the diagnosis of childhood asthma. There is another podcast in this series about the treatment of childhood asthma, but we're joined by Professor Soren Pedersen from the University of Southern Denmark. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You're a professor of pediatric respiratory medicine. You've been researching asthma and treating asthma patients for over 40 years. You're an ideal person to talk to about this subject. There are specific groups that may be prone to asthma. Can you provide an overview of which children may be at particular risk of developing the disease? Asthma is the most common disease, chronic disease in children. And therefore, many physicians are faced with asthma and and they have to diagnose it. So it's important that physicians know how to diagnose it and not to think of asthma for everybody. And therefore, we need to have some who are, as you say, likely to have asthma. And, And we know that if there is asthma in the family, you're more likely to have a child that has asthma. If, if you have atopic diseases, atopic like allergies and so, uh, you are more likely to have asthma. But you can also have asthma without having any of these uh, conditions. But what, what you then have to put the diag- place the diagnosis on is, is on symptoms. And, and symptoms in children are a little bit more tricky than children than symptoms in adults. Because in, in, in children, they, they are not good at expressing themselves. And if you ask them about whether they have some of the main symptoms, do you wheeze, do you have heavy breathing, or do you cough or wake up at night, they don't know and, and, and they don't remember because it, it's, it doesn't take up a big place in their life. And you, if you ask the parents, they are away from the child during large periods of the day. I mean, they're at school or kindergarten. And, and they, in Denmark at least, many children have their own bedroom. So they don't know if the children wake up at night. And children can wake up at night for many other reasons than, than just having asthma. And one of the characteristic symptoms about asthma is that it often gets worse at night. And the second thing that is very characteristic and makes you that you should think of asthma is that it is it varies that the condition varies so 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 sometimes it can be very very bad sometimes you just feel a little and then you can have a couple of days where you don't feel anything and you don't have any symptoms and so so what you ask about is cough it's it's about heavy breathing wheeze and and then you also have to do some measurements the problem with symptoms in children is that if they have asthma, some, th- some activities that children normally have, such as physical activity, playing, attending sports, they, they realize that they get asthma for this because their lungs are very sensitive. So they get wheeze and unpleasant heavy breathing when they do physical exercise. So children are smart. So what do they do? They avoid doing physical activities and and therefore if you just have symptoms and say do you wheeze do you cough and do you wake up at night 
you often get negative answers because because they adjust their lifestyle. So when if the child had been attending to activities and playing like all the children, yeah, they would have said, oh, yes, when I run, I have heavy breathing, or when I do this, I cannot I get heavy breathing, and I cannot attend sport, but they don't. And if you ask the parents, they, they don't know. And, and apparently, these children are not, uh, are not being diagnosed because they have, have, don't complain of symptoms. And, and we've seen this in some studies where we've actually seen patients with pretty severe asthma that had absolutely no symptoms, even if we had very good physicians asking about it. And, and when we measured their daily activity by measuring how much they were running, walking, and doing, we could see that, that they, they had no symptoms because they were completely inactive. And, and we saw then that the children were very, had less fitness, but not as good fitness as the healthy children, and they were more obese. And this is a result that children with asthma don't, don't have the same activities as other children have. And, and, and this is important that, that physicians are aware of this, and many physicians are not aware of it. And, and you have to ask as much, not about do you wheeze, do you cough? They also have to talk about what is their life? What are your daily activities? How is it when they play with, with or the sports? If they are going for a walk with their parents, get they, do they get tired? Do they complain? This is a dimension that you are not seeing to the same extent in adults. And, and the adults would normally be aware of it and also complain about it. So we really need to educate general practitioners right at the beginning of the process of diagnosis and maybe even produce a set text of questions to ask. I know you mentioned a few of them there, but they are quite specific, aren't they? The questions should be very specific and they, they should not just ask about the symptoms that we see in adults. They should lifestyle. also ask about their lifestyle because it's obvious and many studies see that, that, that they don't attend school to the same extent and, and, and they are not participating in physical activities. And what physicians should know is they should be very much aware of that if you ask, do you play soccer or football, as we say, if the child said no, then you can ask why, etc. But if there is a problem, the mother would quite often say he's not interested in sport. And if, if, if the mother talks about his interest rather than, than what, a, what he's doing and not doing, you should be very, very specific in asking additional questions because I have found many children that we diagnosed with asthma just with this knowledge. And this needs to come out in some of the things that, that uh, primary care physicians and physicians should do when they have asthma and they want to diagnose it. Of course, there are specific groups of children that may be prone to asthma. Could you provide an overview of which children may be at particular risk of developing the disease? There are subgroups, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, I started in the beginning to say that if some some have genes, so they have parents with with, with uh, asthma, but, but also if they have other allergic diseases. If, if they have a, a runny nose during the summer, or if they have a atopic eczema, skin diseases, and, and they have food allergies and whatever, these are 
much more likely to to develop asthma in 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 life and uh, therefore we always ask about these things what you should also know is that you cannot just make with 100% certainty a, a, a diagnosis just by questions and asking the right questions you also must have some measurements and 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 uh, what we normally do is measure their lung function that is one thing in children that's another play time where children are a little bit different from adults because you have actually have many children that can have pretty good lung function and have asthma and whereas in adults it's it's more likely that that the lung functions are reduced you see that in in children also reduced lung function but so we in children often had to do other things we have to if you have 90% the lung function are predicted when you give them a beta 2 agonist and measure it again later you can go up to 110% that is that is very rarely if ever done in, in in adults so so you have to show a variability in lung function like you have a variability in symptoms over time and sometimes if you have a very good lung function you cannot even show that they that they improve by 10-15% when you give them a, a bronchodilator so so what what we are often doing in children is uh, in, the, in our clinic we do it standardized they run on a treadmill for 7-8 minutes at a certain speed and then we measure their lung function before and after and and in, in my presentations about this i have a case of a child 100% lung function 8 years old no symptoms a lot of eczema and 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 atopy and and uh, and no symptoms and what the moment the moment after she's been running, she has a drop in lung function of 68%. So she's really, really obstructed after, after the exercise because it provokes a bronchoconstriction. So we want to try to also show this variability in lung function, either by giving a bronchodilator or by challenging them. And then what we do is normally by running. In practice, they can't do it standardized, but they can run some stairs for a certain time or out in the cold air, which will also, and then if you can demonstrate a variability of, of more than 10, 20, 15% in these children, it is almost diagnostic of asthma. I would imagine it's much more difficult to measure lung function uh, the younger the children are. You talked about a child on a treadmill, but try getting a three-year-old to do that. No, the, these things are children five years to 12 years. Uh, that, that that's the way you diagnose those. So what do you do with the younger group? The, the younger group is much more tricky <laughs> because the, the younger children, it's difficult to measure their activity. That's one thing. The, the other thing is that, that you have very, very few out in normal clinics, you can't measure their lung functions. So, so you have to base it exactly on high risk as, as we did with older children, that is families, uh, uh, um, A2P uh, allergies and and if you have some of this you have to think about asthma and then you have to also say that the cough and wheeze many many young children I would say that virtually all Danish children would have from zero to three years of old age they would have some periods where they were wheezing and where they were coughing because of viral infections these are the the zero to three years, they have on average five, six viral infections per year until they've 
built their immune system. So it's that it's even more tricky. So so in these groups we have to have the history, but we have to have much more specific demands. It's not just having three. You have to have a certain amount at three, four, five episodes of, of a certain severity before you would consider asthma. The second thing is they have the same thing that that uh, that they are not liking to run or exercise, but young children are different. I mean, if you ask the parents, if they climb the sofa or couch, then they get out of breath. <laughs> and, and, and if they get tired when they play with their mates, even two years old children, abstain from it, then it's very, um, um, you have to think, consider asthma, definitely. And, and if they want to, when they're out walking and the child want to be carried, that may not mean that they have asthma, but it, it is typically that, that they tire more easily because they're not used to, to exercising. Now, in, in older children, we can, give, um, we can measure lung function, and then we can measure the lung functions before and after, and we can't do that in, 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 in the younger children. But what we do in the younger children is that we give them another, you can call it diagnostic trial or try to diagnosis. We give them an inhaled corticosteroids and teach them how to use this because they can use this by different devices. And then we treat them for two months. And then, then we see, is there a clear improvement? I mean, a really clear improvement. And does the symptoms come back once they stop. So this is a sort of doing the beta-2 agonist bronchodilation. You do a clinical trial to do it. And it is very important that we have this measurement because, because it is, otherwise we will be over-treating children. So you have to give it for a period, stop, and if they come back, it is very, I mean, it is asthma. I mean, that is uh, Very interesting. Uh, you've mentioned genetics. Yes. eczema, etc. But what about environmental factors? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think it's difficult to say if environmental factors actually causes the asthma, but environment causes the symptoms in the way that, that if, you live, if you live in a home with a lot of smoking, you are much more likely to diagnose the asthma, they, their symptoms would be worse and so But it's not like you can say that smoking in the parents would actually give them asthma, but, but it would provoke the symptoms. And so it would be in a polluted environment, uh, we would have it. Winters, cold, uh, cold air, if you do a provocation test, we can do that in our clinic where you provoke young children and we can measure by sophisticated you can see they get get bronchospasm when when they are provoked, and so they do if they come out in cold in cold weather. So environment is important in sort of provoking the symptoms, but not in causing the asthma. Professor Patterson, I wanted to ask you about Gina. It's an incredible organisation and has helped diagnose uh, childhood asthma now for twenty five years. Uh, what do you think uh, of Gina in terms of the development? of ways to uh, treat and manage uh, asthma. What is its uh, involvement in that? How important is it? Treating asthma is, and developing the treatment so it gets better, more focused, perhaps even personalized. We are not even there yet to know who can we treat, is immensely important. Because what has happened in over 
children's lung function don't grow as well as it should if they are not treated. When I started in this, as you can hear how long time I've had asthma, <laughs> I'm an old man, and we had lung functions in children about 60% predicted. And I don't see more than one child per year now where we have this reduced lung function. The thing is that if you have had such a low lung function, you never ever get a good lung functions when you read adulthood. And, and, and after a certain, when you've reached an age, lung function is hard to go down. So it causes a lot of morbidity later in life if we as pediatricians are not managing asthma well. And, and, uh, and, and we have, over the times I've been there where we follow the, uh, the suggestions we have in Gina, we have seen immense improvement in, 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 uh, in the lung functions and in the quality of life of the, of, 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 of the children. And um, one thing that, that we have done, it's not as published studied, but where we can see that if children are not treated, they are more tired during daytime and they cannot focus and concentrate well. So if you give them simple tasks, like we give them a, a sheet of paper with 10 different figures and ice cream, a house, and you can do it in even young children, and, and let them memorize it, and then you wait, take it away, and ask them again in uh, two minutes later. They do less well than their healthy children, same age, same sex, than if, if their asthma is not treated. But if they had treated their asthma so it's well, they, do, they perform at the same level as, as the other children are. So it, it has a huge impact on these children's life in the long term, which was not something we knew uh, when I started this. I want to finally talk to you about the future. We've talked a lot about the diagnosis and the management of asthma, particularly in children. But one of the things that's come out uh, within these interviews we've done uh, in this podcast series is it's as much about the communicating, communicating the message uh, to general practitioners, to medical professions, as much as finding the new drugs. Would you agree? I, I entirely agree. I mean, it is getting these messages out to the people who see the patients and also to the healthcare providers, governments, and, and, and so that to say, this is what we can improve. We can improve so we can diagnose asthma and we do it correctly. And we have the treatments, we have the tools to treat these patients so well that all the problems I have talked about with not being able to live a normal life and not being able to participate in sport. Because if we manage this, there are lots of examples that these children can do sports on high level and they can live a normal life once they're diagnosed and treated. Professor Soren Pedersen, thanks for joining us today. The GINA website has a suite of up-to-date, evidence-based documents, booklets, videos, an implementation toolkit and other useful information. If you're a healthcare professional interested in GINA resources for your hospital or healthcare system, or if you have ideas for new resources, please email us via our website, ginaasthma.org. Thank you for listening and for sharing in our mission to reduce the global burden of asthma.